Hi, and welcome to Real Trail Talk. I'm Donovan D'Souza from The Long Ways Better. And I'm Mark Pybus from The Life of Pi. Welcome to episode 28. We have the follow-up to our Fitzgerald River National Park podcast from the previous episode. So we're going to be talking about the western side of the park now. And welcome back, Erica. <laughs> How nice to have you in again. I know. Thank it's, you so much. I love it. It's becoming a bit of a habit, isn't it? It's like Driving you didn't up leave. here, it's like I didn't leave. <laughs> uh, I think everyone can kind of figure out what's going on here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, as we, we discussed the, the eastern side on the last pod, and I think we all agreed it was one of the best national parks. Mm. Um in the state and the theme i think continues as we head onto the western side so donovan this is one that you did in 2016 that's correct yeah and you went and did the longer mamang trail so yep. i guess we'll better start there yeah yeah like what are your thoughts and kind of let's run through some distances and logistics of getting mm. down there so i think one of the things with the mamang trail is probably the lesser it's like the the poor cousin of the Hakia Trail. The Hakia Trail <laughs> is is famous for being, you know, one of the top trails in the state. The Mamang Trail's the other overnight in the park, and it's less known. However, I will say that I think, if not for the fact that there's no water on the track, I think it is one of the best overnight trails in Western Australia. I think if you were new to hiking, you wanted a trail that wasn't too difficult had a different return journey because unlike the Hakia Trail, it is a circuit with a, a leg that goes to the campsite. It has everything that you would want in that in an overnight trail. Mm. I think it is it is really underrated. I think it is as worthy of being called a top trail, but it just isn't. And it has one of it has my absolute favorite beach in Australia that I've been to because it is absolutely beautiful. And you can be the only person there. Mm. And you can't say that about a lot of spectacular beaches in this country. Mm. Mm. I think to hark back to a point that you made on the hike your own hike, especially about the North Cliff to Walpole section, the, the Billman Track, I think the Hakia Trail has the best walking, but I think the Mamang Trail has the best campsite and beach area that you can visit. So you think the campsite on the Fitzgerald is better than... Wellbone Beach. Then Wellbone Beach. Uh, I would say your favourite beach, which is not too far from the campsite, is a better place to rest in the afternoon than oh, Wellbone. Cool. I know you're probably going to disagree with me. No, here, no, no, no. I, I didn't. I didn't go to the campsite. I went. I did a, a loop okay. on that trail, but I um, I loved just arriving there. So coming up to the southern. Great Southern Highway, so mm. Route 120, is it? And no, coming off the sign that said, the little sign that says the Fitzgerald River National Park. And from the moment, you know, a little bit into the park, this is end of December, so I really was expecting nothing. There's a 66-kilometre, quite corrugated and gravelly mm. road to, to get to um, Point Anne, but which actually I spoke to the ranger yesterday and it's been all flattened so it's actually ready for people so That's just so good. people out there know it's not as it's it's quite drivable mm. now and on two-wheel drive but um it took two hours to get down to point <laughs> and uh, 66 kilometers because there were just so many flowers you know i yeah. saw some banks just for the first time ever the L- lamania and 
the cochinea and I mean just these ones that I'd only <laughs> se- I'd only seen in books, you know. Yeah. And um, mm. oh, Kalani is another Banksia that I saw there for the first time, and I remember because I looked them up, you know, because I was so fascinated. So yeah, it just took it, it was just like just this wonderful welcome into the park you know these 66 k's at first i thought oh no 66 k's on this moving down and then Mm. you know all the way down just stopping to i did the same thing as you because i (laughs) like i was you know looked at the map and i was like oh yeah there's the road going in but the road that's sealed road isn't it quiz road Road. the road that is sealed and probably the easier way to get to point Anne is you drive down towards bremer bay and cut in but i thought oh yeah i'll go that way and it was heavily corrugated. It was like 20 k's an hour of like boom, 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 boom. I was like, well, I've made a mistake here. <laughs> I don't know how people drive into this park. And then I realized, <laughs> oh, we've gone the wrong way. But it was still mm. it's like it's a really lovely drive. But the bit that really wowed me and like I'm in love with Fitzgerald River from the first sight was as you drive over the hill and you get to see Point Anne. Yes. Yes. The bay, the yep. mid barrens. Yeah. Yeah. It is just one of those moments in life where I just stop the car and got out and just be like, just wow, like mm. this mm. is heaven. Yeah, yeah. We took the easier road because <laughs> <laughs> we came down on the Friday night. We stayed with Alyssa's parents in Denmark and we drove from Denmark. So that that way we could break the drive down and, and have more time in the morning. Mm-hmm. So that road is really nice. And you don't have the corrugations, but you still get that great wow moment where you come through and you see the, you know, St. Mary's. um, And yeah, it was spectacular as you come down to the beach and you just go, as Mark says, you know, you go, wow, this is a great park. Yeah. 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 Mm. And kind of Point Anne is the the main location if you're going to stay, if you're car camping, because you've got St. Mary's Inlet not very far away. Yeah. Oh, that's the one that has 13. I think it has 13 or 12 slots, and then there's an extra one in there for camping. But it's rougher camping. It than, is. Than the other side, the east oh, side. Oh, it's not too bad. Oh, no, it's, um, there's, you know, a toilet block there and barbecues yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, yeah. It's... And you've got the beach right there too, yeah. which I think Four <laughs> yeah. Mile Beach, as we talked about in the last pod, the beach access isn't as easy. Whereas St. Mary's Inlet, you literally just walk over a hill yeah. or mm. a, a tiny dune yeah. and you're there. Yeah. Mm. And you get the same amazing views. Yeah. Which I found amazing that no one, like well, there was probably about six or seven people staying there that night. And we were the only ones at sunset and sunrise taking in what was the best sunset I've ever seen. Mm. Um, it was just, yeah, baffling that people do that. Mm. And I think what's great is when you get to the car park, which is the start of the Mamang Trail, mm. and you're at Point Anne, like just straight away, it's amazing. Like mm. there's that that lookout that you they have just at the beach there, and it's yeah. incredible. You see the mid Mount Barrens from there, which are sort of, I think, the anchor of this walk. Like, they're the thing that you see the whole way through, Mm. and they're what draw you to the campground, which is, I think, was, you know, part of the idea was that this would be the the focal point of the track. Mm. And the facilities there are just amazing. Like, we talked about money being pumped into the eastern side. I mean, sure enough, it's not paved road all the way to Point Anne, but the facilities at Point Anne are amazing. Like, you've got barbecues, brand new toilet blocks, the car park's all paved and you've got like a little Coca Cabana 
like hut <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, there is, yeah. And I took a photo and you've got the mid barrens in the distance, the little bay and the turquoise water and this little hut. I was like, you could put a beach bar here and this would be, you know, <laughs> a really cool spot. Yeah. <laughs> but sadly, yeah, I don't think you'd be able to economically uh, run that, um, which is a shame, but it'd be quite fun. Uh, but yeah, and the Mamang Trail, actually, the boards are really well laid out and there's so much information. I think if they were a little bit smaller, people might miss them. But I think if you're a visitor there and you have no idea about it, you might go, oh, I might return and do this walk and mm. see what that's all about. Mm. Um, when we were there, they hadn't completed all of the signage. But when you were there, did they have all the signage in place? Yet? Yeah. At Point Anne, they did, yeah. Yeah. Point um, Anne had it, but did they have it further along the track? Yes, because mm. there was signage up around Nameless Lake. Oh, okay, mm. cool. Mm. Yeah, telling mm. you all about that. Um, yeah. I think, oh, we forgot to mention this on the last pod, but the Hakia Trail when I was there in May didn't have any signage at all. Oh, really? And the guy who created the trail was really livid that they hadn't got that up yet because they have the posts for it and like it just looks like it's been sitting there for 20 years and the UV has got to it. There's nothing there, but in, they just haven't installed them yet. Yep. Um, but yeah, in terms of the Mamang Trail, it's all there and yeah, you get the uh, the history of the place and why it is called the Mamang Trail. Which is which is uh, an Aboriginal welfare whale, isn't yes. it? Yes. Because that's uh, where they come in, the the right. Southern right whales Southern right and the whales, humpbacks as the well. Humpbacks, yeah. Because yeah. that particular viewpoint is one of the best places to see the whales. Yeah, mm-hmm. that little wooden kind of outlook. And then they actually tell you the difference between the whales. So if you're spotting them from a distance, you can say, well, this has this marking or the tail's like this and right. you know exactly what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But we haven't seen any whales. I know, Erica, you haven't seen any whales. I know, Did you? I were seen you any lucky not enough, in, Don? Not in October. Yeah. You know, like wildflowers are amazing, but you're not going to see whales in October. So it's one of those things where you've got to trade off what you want to see. If you're there in in the season when the whales are there, which is sort of more towards like August, I think. I think it's June to October, mm-hmm. like yeah. early October that they come out. Yeah. So we were too late for it, but. You know that these are the things you have to trade off. You, do you want to see the whales? Do you want to see the wildflowers? Mm. And you can't always get everything. So yeah. Mm. yeah. But the walking is—it's quite enjoyable. It's—I mean—it's not the wow views that you get and the the variety that you get on the um, the Hakia Trail. But the we'll go. I suppose we'll go the inland section first because this is a loop trail. Mm. Yes, I mean you start on the beach and then yeah, you start after on the beach, a, a you find the marker, yeah. Yeah. you turn yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the beach exits are very clear mm. here, which I think is a really good thing. And straight away, end of December, all these grevilleas, little tiny delicate <laughs> ones, right there. Like sometimes you had to really look, and I am always really looking. Yeah, um, <laughs> to, <laughs> to see little spots of color. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to. To being there next Saturday mm. on that Mamang Trail. Lucky yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. But the beach walking, it's not like, it is compact beach for a little bit. Mm. I think because it's that really super fine sand, it mm. can really kind of compact nicely. So I found it quite easy going and we were just in awe, you know, we were just in awe at how white the sand was. Like you could probably get mm. the most bleach white paper and put it next to the sand and the sand's probably whiter. Yeah. And especially the contrast you get as well with the turquoise water. Yeah. 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 That's, an... that's what's really striking is yeah. that yeah. contrast. And with those black, 
what you know what did you say in the last podcast that like star wars, star wars destroyed <laughs> <laughs> yeah but these amazing huge boulders jagged on their side you know mm. they just add this great structure and kind of mm. architecture to yeah, to the beach sure. natural architecture to the yeah. to the landscape mm. Mm. And you kind of pass St. Mary's Inlet, which you can camp at, which is a drive. Um, but if you're doing them at Mang Trail, this is kind of a bit early <laughs> to be camping. Mm. But yeah, you kind of look back. And I love this that the inlet, as you look inwards, frames West Mount Barron. And it's this tiny little speck, and there's this, this white kind of blown out area mm. of the, uh, the dunes there. It's kind of a cool photo opportunity in the afternoon. And then, yeah, the inland section, when you eventually get to it, Got all the scrubbing stations and you head yeah, into the dunes. That's right, that's so right, they really yeah. do care about <laughs> the biodiversity in this park, and they will. This side of the park is more prone to closures than the than the east side yeah. because of the gravel track. If if it's raining a lot, they will just close the park. Yep. Mm. And so you might rock up and just go, "Oh, I was planning on doing this walk." Well, too bad for you because the environment is more important sometimes than mm. what we want to do, mm. unfortunately. Mm. And the and there are plenty of other options if that was yeah, to happen. Exactly. You know, you can just have a, a, a talk to the rangers and, and they can, you know, they are so friendly. They are really well informed and they know their stuff, you know, and um, ask them, oh, what's an alternative um, here or just be, you know, before in Bremer Bay or anywhere around there. I mean, the whole area is, mm. is you know, full of biodiversity mm. if you can't get down to the Mamang Trail. But yeah. You know, there's always options. Yeah, yeah, but a good tip is watch out for the weather if you're planning yeah. a trip and maybe just call the ranger station and just see what the conditions yep. are like or even the road closures. Yep. Yeah, and you, so, if you go to the website, they'll actually tell you. So we, we did that. We checked beforehand. We called the the office, the local office for DBCA, to make sure that it was going to be open. They said, yeah, the rain is going to be nothing. That's fine. It's only if it's really heavy rain that they'll close. Mm. But something to keep in mind. Yeah, five meals. Five mm. meals, they told me yesterday. Yeah. Mm. So if it's five meals or more, they close it. So. Mm. Yeah, I suppose once you've uh, got your boots on and <laughs> scrubbed and everything, um, yeah, it's up to the nuts lookout, isn't it? Yeah, so I think what, what's really nice here is if you think inland, is it going to be exciting? Because sometimes with coastal walks, inland can be you know, can mean boring, <laughs> but not at all here. Because if you see the wildflowers here, you'll understand that when you go to other places in Australia, they just don't compare to Fitzgerald River when it comes to wildflowers and biodiversity. And so when you're walking through the inland section, you're just constantly seeing things that you've never seen before. And as you start the walk, you'll say, oh, this looks nice. And then you get to the next bit go, this is nice, but I haven't seen this before. And then you keep going, oh, I haven't seen this before. And that's basically your whole experience in the inland <laughs> section. It's just, you know, you'll, you'll never see wildflowers that are as alien. It's, it's like an alien planet. This this park, you know, it, it, you well, really they're endemic, aren't they? They they nowhere else exactly. on the planet. Some of those, you know, nowhere else on the planet. That's mind blowing. You yeah, know? Mm. nowhere else on the planet. Yep, and you really, when you look at it, you think it's another world. It really is another world because they, you know, they when explorers saw it, they called it the Barrens because they thought that it couldn't support any life. This looks terrible. Yeah, and yet it does. It supports so much life that can amazingly survive in terrible soils. Mm. 
and the terrible souls have created this world that is completely removed from the rest of the country mm. and it is so hardy because when i was there in um over easter and then again in may like we'd had the driest summer and autumn i think they were just waiting for rains and these plants were still really hardy and there were still flowers out mm. and i mean some of the royal hakias had turned black which was a bit of a, a weird sight mm. but other ones were still blooming with color and it's just yeah a credit to this area that it just adapted so well. Yeah. Mm. So every year in the second week of September, the Ravensthorpe Wildflower Show is an incredible display of named wildlife, perhaps the biggest in the world. Um, people come from all over the world to, to experience this. And it's a tiny little town that just comes alive at this time of the year because of you know, the effort of the community to bring all these wildflowers together into one place. And uh, a lot of them are picked from the, the west part of the, of the park as well as mm. the east part of the park and the ranges, and, you know, all throughout that area. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it is just one of those areas that, like, you look at it and you think, oh, yeah, there's not much there from a distance, but you get up close and you start looking at the details and mm. there's, you know, different wildflowers mm. just mm. kind of nestled in everywhere. It and is. also life. I mean, there are animals there. I, I don't know that much about them because they're, you know, harder to catch and harder to see. Insects mm. and invertebrates, you know, that, that are thriving there that don't exist mm. anywhere else. Yeah, it's a little a honey possum. Is it a honey possum? The... Could be. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I saw a lot of beetles there that were quite uh, unique, like mm. a, a golden black one. I just mm. kind of hopped around. I was like, oh, click, click. <laughs> <laughs> I think another thing that is really amazing about this inland section, and it's something that if you've been to, you know, a lot of national parks in, in Western Australia, except for maybe Karajini and a handful of other ones, you... You can see the border of the national park, and you don't in Fitzgerald River. If you are in, you know, if you're on the Mamang Trail looking out inland, you know, north of the track, you don't get a sense that there's anything beyond the park, which is a really nice sensation. You don't see that a lot. You know, in Stirling Range, you're on top of a mountain, you see the farmland beyond. Mm. You know, if even in, in some of the other parks where... They're quite wild, like even Walpole, Nonalup. You sometimes can see something beyond it. Yeah. You don't have that experience at all in Fitzgerald River. It's just basically all wilderness, and that's amazing. Mm. Although having yeah. said that, my first kind of awakening to Fitzgerald River was I have a, a book on the National Parks of Australia, and Fitzgerald River is in there in WA, and I looked at it and I've gone, oh, this is amazing. But then when I was actually there... It's a lot smaller than what I thought. Mm. Like, yeah. it should be a lot bigger. Like, driving in, you just see farmland, farmland, farmland. You're like, what are they doing? Like, if it's this, like, well-renowned biodiversity hotspot, why is there so little of it yeah. in comparison to the surrounding farmlands? Mm -hmm. And that kind of bummed me out a little bit. But, yeah, as you say, from the hiking trails, it is amazing just looking into the, mm. the horizon and there being nothing but just scrubland. Mm. And raw hake, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's still 3,000 kilom square kilometres, but I know what you're saying. Like, it what still would needs have to be existed, bigger. Yeah. Because yeah. that was the sad thing about um, visiting Esperance and the museum there is they wiped out everything but 18% of the natural woodland. Just because I think one of the reasons was if you came over from the east, 
you had to clear an X percentage of land in order to keep it. And I was like, that is such a stupid way of doing things. And that's why everywhere around Esperance and the whole wheat belt is just cleared, cleared land. Yep. Same with Rottnest. Yeah. You know, like imagine how much more beautiful it would be if it hadn't been all cut down. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Anyway, we digress. Yes, we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the nuts look out. Of, I mean, all around there's diversity as well, you know. Yeah. So the park is just one area of the Fitzgerald biosphere, mm. which is what's UNESCO listed. Yeah. You know, the whole area down there, mm. you know, including yeah. the Ravensthorpe Range and the. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's pockets around. It's mm. just it's sad that they're pockets, not mm. the majority. Mm. Mm. But yeah, we do digress. And, Onto... and it's, it is threatened as well. You know, that's why it's a hotspot. It's because it is, it's, it's untouched almost, mm. but it is, it is in danger. And mm. there are rare and priority listed at diff- the different levels of priority listed plants down there, which is what what is being protected mm, with all the yeah. all the things that are in place is to protect that you know these mm. rare plants yeah mm. so the noitzia lookout mm. is probably one of the first sort of major parts of the track i mean there, there is like a coastal lookout but i remember the views not being amazing but i remember the, the noitzia lookout yeah because we got there and i mean it is the brochure maps it out and you stop at these various locations so you never more than four or five k's away from something to stop at and look yeah. at and this is the first one if you're heading from point Anne, and we kind of got there and we're like oh what's a, a nutzia and then we're just like oh it's a christmas tree yeah exactly <laughs> that's like, a nutzia nutzia floribunda yeah I think, yeah um, which was sadly not in flower because it, it no. only comes out at christmas but yeah. it was yeah it's kind of cool to kind of you know what it is and you can picture what it's going to be like it's just not like that when you visit yeah i always think it's amazing that they are a mistletoe that blooms at christmas yeah on the other side of the planet in summer from, yeah exactly it's just you know how how serendipitous that yeah. this plant that is symbolic of christmas a mistletoe is a tree on the other side of the planet and it blooms at christmas time mm. amazing but i feel like they only named it because it blooms in Christmas. That's right. Yeah, yeah like the, the Christmas spider down south is actually the jewel spider. It just shows up around Christmas. And that's what they named it. Yeah, yeah. Like beautiful, beautiful tree. And the lookout is amazing. Like if you, this trail does not have a lot of shelter, but mm. this the seat is actually now right under the trees. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you kind of have to push a few branches away <laughs> to sit down. It was really hot, actually. There were sections where we got quite hot inland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being yeah. December, I imagine it would yeah. be ter- yeah, like, yeah. terribly yeah. hot because yeah. yeah. there's, there's no shelter on this no, trail. No, no. Mm. Um, and, the, I mean, the next big... I mean, you get to the trail junction because there's... This track is very well designed for you to go, oh, I've had enough. I want to go back. Mm. But once you get to the next trail junction, there's, you know, there's the lake nameless lookout mm-hmm. yes. that's right yeah. um and so like the, i think the interesting thing about here is the history of the area so there's all, all these inlets along the the track and along throughout the park and so lake nameless was an inlet that closed up so it it, it was going to be you know it used to flow into the ocean but as the ocean levels or, or rainfall has dropped it's now a lake and mm-hmm. you know it's kind of cool to see you know it's something different I thought there could have been a bit more imaginative thinking on the naming of it. <laughs> you say um, that. And yes. But we were talking to the ranger. Yes. And he said a lot of the places are just named 
through colloquialisms. Like, it's named Woody's Point because Woody used to go there, who was a local, and then the Governor General or someone would come in and say, well, what's that? And they're just like, there's so many places to name, they just didn't name them, and they're just like, well, that's Woody's Point because Woody used to go there and do... Mm things that I can't mention on the podcast <laughs> and they've got all these weird history uh, historical names that aren't you know like they're just you know scallywag kind of stories mm. from the locals um but yeah this one agreed kind of like some of the names around Australia where it's like Mount Hopeless or like really dull names for beautiful beautiful places yeah but I suppose mm. back in the day when this was first being you know discovered by by colonialists that you know, it would be a little harsh and mm. you mm. kind of maybe get sick and tired of it if mm. it was in the wrong wrong season. Yeah. Mm. And speaking of colonialists, an interesting feature of this particular track is the intercolonial telegraph line, mm. which you can mm. see along the track. And so mm. just beyond there, you start seeing the poles of what used to be a telegraph line that stretched basically across the, you know, across the Nullarbor. Mm. And, you know, I think that that's a nice bit of, of history on the track and... I mean, there is bits of this as well at um, at the at Point Anne with the Heritage Trail there, where you can see the rabbit-proof fence. Yeah. So yeah, it's a nice bit of a nice touch that gives the track a bit more character than just being oh, you know, through through very beautiful wildflowers. Mm. There's also this history there mm, as well. I actually sure. think yeah. that is a better lookout of Lake Nameless than the actual Lake Nameless lookout. I agree. I think the intercolonial rest area is the best spot to stop for lunch. Because I remember getting there and it wasn't marked on the brochure and I stopped and I radioed um, the guys with Michael. I was just like, I don't think I've... I think this might be Lake Nameless Lookout, but I'm not sure. And then I kind of found a post. And I was like, oh, no, it's not it. And then we kept going. I was like, I wish I could have stayed there. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's just going, and this is where you kind of snake in and around the valleys and Mm. kind of yeah just explore the area a little bit more it's more inland than coastal views and lake views and Mm. yeah i imagine there would be quite a lot of wildflowers and interesting things to see if it wasn't uh the time i visited yeah because i I found that after the the intercolonial rest point that's when we started really seeing a lot of the royal hekias on Mm. this particular track and they are a spectacular plant you know, I think that mm. the colours... Because it's not... They're not the flowers. They're the leaves, aren't they, that are the colours? Yeah. Yeah. It's flowering now. I saw flowers last week. What do the flowers look like? They're just they're like, like a hake. aren't they? They're a little curly, um, furry, curly... Like a hake, like lots of hake mm. flowers, okay. you know? And they sit on the inside of mm. the... And the inside in the middle, there's like a... What Sue Layton, who coordinates the Raven's Thought, she's called it a pearl. Oh, right. Yeah, oh, okay. a pearl in the middle. So it's got this little white and then little flower. Karis mm. calls them traffic light bush kale. <laughs> the royal hakeas. Yeah. So you were saying <laughs> in, the last, in the last pod, you were saying mm. that they the leaves are the colour they are because of the poor quality of the soil. That's right. Yeah, it's because it, they don't, you know, the, the struggle that they go through to, to survive mm. in that soil gives them that that color variation and they're unique i mean all the plants are unique um and i said in the last podcast too that i think that's a really great um analogy for the beauty in people you know because mm. i think that's what makes us all unique you know, I think, what we struggle yeah remarkably they look a lot softer than they actually are 
and but they're, oh, they're really very, like, spi- they're they're very hard, spiky yeah, and yeah. hard yeah. and tough tough plants oh, but you don't want to beautiful fall on one of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like scratched yeah. Yeah. and i think they, they really are you know the name royal hakea is a hundred percent accurate because when I see other hakeas, I always refer to them as non-royal hakeas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, they are really the most regal of all yeah. the hakeas. Yeah, they're named after queen, after the queen. And I think yeah. that was the story behind them is the explorer who first um, walked into this area tried to send one back. And he's like, these are the most amazing colors and you'll love them and you'll love them. And because it was, you know, back in ye olde times, it took forever to get back to the queen. And by that time, it was black. And just couldn't understand like what, what he was going on about but yeah it is definitely worthy of the name and yeah as we said in the last pod just something that always sticks out and is really iconic with mm. fitzgerald river for sure there's also another hakea down there it's called the cauliflower hakea you know okay. that one it's got a little top the sort of top of it it's all a little white I saw that for the first time oh they're so beautiful you know it's like the the, the canopy of it the top of it mm. So it's about a meter, meter and a half, some a little bigger, but the top of it has got this white flower that sticks on the top of the, mm. like a, like a little hat. <laughs> mm. Cauliflower like um, needs a bit of cheese on top. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, very man. nice. Mm. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, as you said, you start getting into the Royal Hakeas and it is the Royal Hakea lookout, which comes up next. Yep. But I was expecting a little more royal hakea on this walk, and it is yeah. kind of confined to this little patch. I agree, because it was like, you know, this is the iconic thing about this park is the royal hakea, and then you see it there, and actually I felt the bit leading up to the lookout had more hakeas yeah. than the royal hakea <laughs> lookout. <laughs> Hopefully people haven't been thieving them while they're there as a little souvenir. Mm. But I don't think that's the case. I think they would have just, you know, we're coming up to this area, we'll just put a, mm. a yeah. lookout here. Mm. I think if you're a botanist, this is amazing. Mm, yeah, yeah. Lots of those claw flowers are endemic to the area as well. As yeah. the, Sorry, um, I'm just scrolling through photos here in areas, yeah. <laughs> uh, picking up on everything. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, is... you just learn little bit by little bit just by being there, I think, you know, meeting people and people that are there that love it. You know, they, they're so passionate about it and um, sort of, you know, pick up this from someone and a little bit of this from someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then from there, you get to you start getting to Point Charles and the Point Charles Lookout, which to me is one of the most iconic. We're forgetting the Inlet Lookout first. Oh yeah, on, true, um, true. Because that is kind of you've seen St Mary's Inlet, but not really. You've seen it from the beach, and then this yeah. one is above, and you get to see just the width of the Fitzgerald Inlet. Yep. And it was dry when I visited, so it's kind of had this little salty sheen all over it. But mm-hmm. I imagine when you visited, it would have been quite full. Yeah, it was. Um, there was a lot more to it there, I guess, at the time, and you know, it was it was good. And then you get your kind of your first real views of the mid barrens, which yeah, from the inland section, you don't really get to see. You see them on the beach leading up from Point Anne, but then you kind of say goodbye but then reconnect with them. And I think that's a yeah. good, good kind of introduction as you get to Point Charles. Yeah, for sure. And I think one of the things I'll say is that when the view down to Point Charles and looking across the mid-Mount Barrens, I think is extremely similar to the view that you get from Mount Amos of uh, Wineglass Bay in Fresno National Park. In Tasmania. In Tasmania. And Wineglass Bay, due to its fame and its popularity, is extremely busy. But on the day that we were there, and I think it's probably the case all the time, 
we were the only people there. And the fact that you get this amazing view and you can look around and there's no one else but you mm. is really incredible. Yeah, mm. yeah. And this comes to Donovan's favorite beach in the whole world. Oh, yeah. Yep. So Tell us all about it. Go yep. on, So Fitzgerald <laughs> Beach is my favorite beach in Australia. And that's including beaches that I've, you know, I've been to a lot of beaches in the southwest of Western Australia, which are amazing. Having been to, you know, Fresnay National Park and other beaches in Tas- Tassie and Queensland. And really, this is, to me, the top of the pile. And that's just because where else are you going to find a beach that is bleach white, has calm waters, has amazing views of, you know, small but decent mountains in the mid-Mount Barrens, and you're the only people there. With the potential for whales and dolphins. Correct. (laughs) So, like... And with a bush behind you full of diverse wildflowers and plants and animals. Exactly. (laughs) Like, if if you can find a place that has... Can tick all those boxes. Mm. I'm prepared to eat humble pie, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I, I love this beach so much because as as Mark was was commenting earlier before we recorded that you can only get here by foot. You can't drive there, so you there is effort to get there, yeah. and the effort is amply rewarded by absolute beauty. Mm. And I think knowing that as well enhances the experience. Yep. Because if you get to Point Charles and look out there and you don't see anyone down on the beach, this is effectively yours and your piece of the world for the night. Yeah. And that to me, like, uh, we didn't camp there, but just thinking about it after I'd written up the post and all the photos, I was like, this is a place I want to come back to and spend days, which is kind of, it's not really feasible because there's no water, as we'll talk about later. (laughs) But it is one of those places that if you picture just a, a random beach in the world that you got deserted on, I think hmm. this is probably one that I would love to stay at. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it's just amazingly beautiful. And I, I think you got the better pictures out of the two because I had smog on my day. Yeah. And so you better with- captured the turquoise <laughs> nature of uh, Point Charles Bay. With, with clear skies, it's... You know, it's incredible. I think it's mm. as good as Fresnay, and that's saying a lot. Mm. You know, people always talk about that as being, you know, one of the best beaches in the world. This is as good, and no one knows about it. You can have it to yourself. And Alyssa and I went for a swim there, and it was beautiful, absolutely beautiful swimming. You know, calm, gentle waters, just that clarity that you don't get anywhere else. And... Oh, you know, I'll always think of this as one of the best beaches I've ever been to. Mm. And yeah, th- at that moment, I was like, yeah, this is top 10 national parks in the country. <laughs> and it hasn't, hasn't changed. I've been, been to other states and I still think, yeah, this mm. is top 10. Enough gushing. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> so Point Charles and Fitzgerald Beach isn't actually where you stay for the night. So you have to hike down from Point Charles mm. um, onto the beach and then you were un- well, not unlucky, but you had to deal with the actual river flowing into the ocean and the inlet crossing, yeah. um, which can be an issue kind of, I don't know, winter through spring. Yeah. Um, I was lucky enough that we could just walk straight across the beach and mm. up to the uh, the orange marker leading you into the campsite. But mm. yeah. I, I really like crossing inlets. Like, I think because I've had, 
a lot of positive experiences. You know, some people have had terrible experiences where they've, you know, they've found a, an inlet that was at flood and they got washed out to sea or something. But every single time I've had to cross an inlet, it's been relatively easy. Hmm. And the rule of thumb is basically, if there's an inlet that's open, walk out to the ocean side, the water will push the sand up so you'll have a bit of a bar to walk on. It was no more than ankle deep. I'm sorry, not ankle deep. It was no more than knee deep. Mm. And yeah, if it's if it's just knee deep, it's easy. Mm. So, you know, we just took off our shoes, went around to the other side, and we were at the campsite, which is on the other, you know, the other mm. end, which is more inland yeah, and sheltered. It was probably about a kilometre from the inlet to the actual campsite, which you used to be able to drive into, and they've now, because of dieback reasons, shut it off completely, which I actually agree with because... Once you're there and no one else is there, you get that sense of isolation. And I mean, over time it will degrade and mm. there is a toilet block there which will now no longer be serviced. I'm not sure how they're going to deal with that in the future. When I was there, it was full. So, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> yeah, I didn't need to go when I went. But the one thing I did so actually enjoy... So, there are enjoy, some people do go there. Yeah. You know, the like one... That toilet, that, that shows that, you know, it, it, it is used and... Some people do know about it, and sometimes the blessing is that not many people know about it, you mm. know, and that's what keeps it um, alive and protected. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there used to be a barbecue facility there, and that all the gas and cooking elements of that have been removed, and it's just a shell. Mm. But the, the actual toilet block, I really enjoyed. I didn't actually need to go, but the door is just a really solid wood door, and it had the most amazing colors on it, and this little kind of... I don't know, like kitschy hand carved candle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I found that amazing, but yeah. Um, in and amongst the salmon gums, it is an, a, a lovely campsite. It is, yeah. Um, hopefully, it gets a little more reclaimed by nature and a little wilder. Mm. Um, but yeah, right on the Fitzgerald River, um, just amazing spot. Mm. Mm. And you actually camped there. What was it like camping there? Oh, fantastic. We were, you know, the only people there. And sometimes we heard animals and we thought, is someone around the corner? But <laughs> they weren't. And, you know, I hadn't had that experience in a long time. When, when At that stage, we were in the middle of doing a lot of Bibbleman track hiking. And every campsite, we ran into someone. And this was just really wilderness. Mm. And that's something you don't experience a lot. So, yeah. you know, I really cherish that experience. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's why I, I like that about this, the, the National Park, is that you, you go in it and, and you do experience that feeling of, you know, being remote and away and among, immersed, really, really immersed in, in nature and, um, and, yeah, in wilderness, you know. And, mm. and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult to get that anywhere. Australia has lots of spots where you can experience that, you know, and we're really lucky. But to only have to drive six hours to to get, get that kind of feeling and, you know, yeah. it's, it's, um, yeah. It's and I think drawing unique. on the point that you made, especially with the overland and the walls of Jerusalem, is this part, there's only really one road that you cross yep. um, on the Mamang Trail. And I think we don't get that in WA a whole lot where you don't see roads of mm. any kind. Mm. And I think this is what makes this hike in WA, I think, unique. That yeah. It does give you that more wilderness experience because for a very long time, you don't see any mm. sign of man. 
yeah. at all, apart from the platforms that they've gone and put in as lookouts. Yeah. yeah. All women. You, you can suspend your disbelief that there's anything beyond. Yeah. You, know, you can just say, this is, this is all that the world is, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it different. Um, and especially with WA hikes like the Billman, you're always next to a road or a farm or something like that, mm-hmm. whereas here... As you said, it's it's endless horizon and you could never know that the, the park doesn't go on forever like it used to. Mm. So <laughs> the Mamang, as an overnight trail, this is where you would camp. It really is the only camping spot. Unfortunately, there's no water tanks at the campsite. That's a real shame because both it makes this track less attractive to casual hikers mm. in spite of the fact I think this is a great mm. overnight hike if someone's yeah. just moving into overnights. And also it means that it's very difficult if you are a hardy hiker who wants to do a multi-day through the park mm. it does prevent you from doing that really i think because mm. it means that you have to carry a lot of water so i mean th- that's a good thing in the sense that it means it keeps people out of the the wilderness section mm. but it's also a bad thing because if you are someone who's hardy and knows what they're doing it's very difficult to keep going mm. and having it so exposed over the whole trip is you kind of you don't have that shade or that coolness to keep you sweating less and consuming less yeah, water. Yeah, you need water yeah. on it. Yeah, it gets so, hot. Yeah, yeah, ideally, you'd probably only really do this in winter or early spring if you're going to walk all the way through. Yep, for yeah. sure. So moving on to day two, because this is kind of a, a reverse tadpole, as we discussed yeah. uh, before the pod started, where you do a loop section from the start, but then there is a little tadpole section, mm. skinny section um, from the campsite to Point Charles. Mm. So you climb back up to Point Charles, get that lookout view. You say goodbye Mm. to your favourite beach in the world. Was that a teary (laughs) experience, Don? (laughs) Yeah, it was because I was like, when am I going to get back to here? Um, For sure. So Yeah. Yeah. And then there is a little bench and it is well marked where the turnoff is. If you want to go back via the same route, you can. Or there is a shorter option where you go via the beach, which is, I think... A very pretty option. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's 15K is taking the inland route or it's 12K is doing the return route via the beaches. So, you're, the trade-off is less kilometers, but, you know, it's 12K. It's like a lot of beach walking. Mm. But I think it's worth doing because of the coastal formations. Like, you know, we were talking about the, the crashed Star Wars spaceships. <laughs> uh, my, my, what I thought was it looked like it, there were daggers from like a giants, you know, a race of giants that lived in primordial times um, who left their weapons on the beaches. Yeah, so we've gone either side. We've yes. gone thousands of years before now and thousands of years in the future. Okay. Yeah. I found the walk along the beach really, really um, easy. It was really flat mm. and uh, compact. Mm. So it yeah. was firm. And uh, it just, yeah, the breeze was coming in and it was just beautiful, beautiful mm. walk along the beach because usually beach walks can be like, hey, it's hard work, it's a bit of a slog. Yeah. I love them, but yep. it's work, you know. This was very pleasant, strolling. I mean, at times it got a little bit sandy, but generally it was, yeah. Mm. This is coming <laughs> from someone easy. who has experienced a lot of beach walking on <laughs> the Cape to Cape. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, no, I found it really... It's a bit, you know, Redgate, a bit like Redgate, where it's kind of flat and compact yeah. and firm. 
but long. Long, yeah. But long, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think the difference here is because of the way it's on the southeast yeah. coast yeah. is it's not facing directly into the Roaring Forties. Exactly. You're yeah. kind of sheltered a little bit. Yeah. And especially yeah. Yeah, as you get closer to Point Anne, which is even more sheltered, it's mm. yeah, just a beautiful beach walk. Like those are the days in summer down at Port Beach when there's no wind and it's just flat and it's hard beach walking. That's what yeah. it reminded me of. Mm. I don't know about the water. Like you're saying that it was warm or it was ple- – I don't know. That water is cold. Yeah. It's cold. When it's did, cold. When did you go? It was, you were <laughs> October. October. So it's cold. Well, yeah, that would have come off the wind. So it's not exactly the warmest part of the year. It wasn't – I just found it really pleasant. I don't. It wasn't. It wasn't like you know. Obviously, that's what love feels like. You're not. You're not going to be. <laughs> it's not. It's not as warm as the. You know, when you're in the tropics, if you're like in Queensland and swimming in the ocean. Yeah. It's not. Granted, it's not Cable Beach. But yeah. it's it's yeah. lovely swimming. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. But in October in Perth, like it's literally breathtaking. Sometimes wandering into the ocean. Was it like that, or was it not too bad? No, I found it all right. Yeah. I found it quite okay. Maybe because you know the UV was quite high and. Yeah. yeah. But you went swimming in Karajini quite a lot we- in some of the. The colder parts. <laughs> Sorry. That's breathtaking. Yeah, that's what, breathtaking. what was high? Who was high? What? The, the UV. UV. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Don was not high. <laughs> I was high on nature. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sounds, yeah. sounds amazing that I, I never got to the campground or to that beach, mm. you know, just did the loop. I think yeah. one of the cool things as well is that when you do this beach section, you see different wildflowers. So you see the coastal wildflowers that, you know, only grow in the sandy soil. And that's different. So, like, it's it's a nice way to see a very different side to the park. So we saw wildflowers that were only on the beach bits. Mm. And, you know, if, if you're going there specifically just for a b- botanical trip, this is a nice other side to mm. see of the park. Mm. Mm. And easily, I mean, you might see people but it is a beach you can drive down via full drive mm. um the access at st mary's is you just drive over a little mm. dune and you're on mm. the beach and i didn't do the return loop by the beach but as we came out near point Anne, there was just a couple sitting one guy was fishing the wife was sitting on a beach um captain's chair thing and it was just a pleasant place to be whether you're walking mm. or you're full driving it's yeah just an amazing part of the world where you probably won't see another person. I think they were quite surprised that people popped out of the bush with uh, <laughs> backpacks on and other things. Well, when I was there in December, the every campsite was full. Really? And, yeah. So wow. I ended up, because I knew we were just going to get up and go walking the next day, we just camped under a, um, a paper bark mm. by the... By the, the inlet, inlet yeah. Mm. yeah, and then just kind of got up really early and left, you know, for the for the hike. Yeah, but it was full, and it was, it was just really pleasant. <laughs> yeah, mm. um, I think it it attracts people that really want to get away from phones and 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 that that noise of the city, you know, and just yeah. and lots yeah. of kids running around on, on their push bikes and um, free, you know, roaming everywhere. So it was, mm. yeah. Mm. Definitely mm. when we were there, because we're only staying there the one night, mm. or the, you know, the one night, the two nights. 
Hmm. And then I was just like, this is just amazing. Like, I would love to come down here yeah. for a whole week. Oh, yeah. And your whole week would just be, I'm going to the beach today, yeah. <laughs> and then I'm going to the beach today, and I'm going to do some walking, and that's it. Like, there's nothing else for you to do but just relax. Hmm. And you're at literally the end of the world. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, beyond the Mamang Trail, which is, I guess is the main feature of this part of the park, there are some day walks there. Yeah. You've done a few of them, haven't you, Mark? Yeah, so this part of the park has technically three, but I think only two are worth talking about, which <laughs> is West Mount Barron and the Point Anne Heritage mm. Trail. So we'll, I guess we'll start with the Point Anne Heritage Trail, which is a, just a little one-kilometre loop around. From the car park at Point Anne, it takes you to the end of Point Anne, which is a great, again, spot to uh, see the whales. Mm. And also a little bit of history, as you discussed, on with the rabbit-proof fence and That's the telegraph right, yeah. pole, which mm. there's still remnants of there, mm. and there's all signs saying, you know, picture yourself as a settler and having to construct this. It was quite interesting. And, again, gives you great views of the bay, gives you great views of the barrens. Mm. Um, it's just, yeah, a nice introduction to the park, which is what we experienced it as um, being in the afternoon. Unfortunately, no whales for us. Um, but there was a guy fishing down on the rocks, and he was fun to watch. And it's just, I guess, not a very technical trail, but it is, like, rocky, and you get to explore the area quite mm -hmm. a bit. And it is, yeah, right next to the, the campsite as well, so it is accessible to anyone staying at St. Mary's. Mm. And then we get on to West Mount Barren. And tell us about it. Tell I, us, because you yeah. haven't done this no, one. I'm surprised. I haven't. No, yeah, neither have didn't I. have time. Just didn't have time that time. So you say in. the Mamang Trail is the poorer cousin of the Hakia Trail. I think West Mount Barren kind of has that feel as well compared to East Mount Barren. Um, it is very not one-dimensional, but you kind of know what to expect from the get-go. You kind of walk up the side of a, a ridge and then turn right and then you basically walk to the summit i mean it does provide great views back towards bremer bay mm -hmm. and you'd see a lot more than you wouldn't see at east mount barren but in terms of the actual hike it is i mean it, it's i don't know it's kind of like a few in the sterling range where it's kind of up to the summit and then that's it mm. um i remember thinking it looked like a poor cousin of a sterling range walk it is kind of like that. Um, I'm trying to think oh, of the... Do you guys like comparing everything? Oh, that's <laughs> what Don does. <laughs> he gets links back to his other pages. <laughs> and I've started, but there, but I've there, started copying. Uh, <laughs> there, are, there are, from what I was reading, I think there are some species that are endemic to just that area too. There are. Sometimes it's just like in, mm. a, in a few meter square of, of area that something grows. Well, because you know? it is, I mean, you, it is the same national park, mm, but it is yeah. 100 k's away yeah, or so that's from, right. yeah. well, probably less than that, the, from the East Mount Barren. So you would get yeah. your own species and there are the mid-barrens to block it off. Um, I'm just trying to run through. But yeah, definitely while we were there the second time um, for the Google trip, I noticed a lot more wildflowers and we had a lot of time that day. So we were like going off trail mm, a little bit, mm. and, you know, snapping and having a look at what we could find. But the views from the top of West Mount Barren are quite nice because mm. there's a, I think it's called Mount Bland or Bland Hill or something, <laughs> just off to the east. And I was like, what a terrible, terrible name because yeah. um, when I first went there over Easter, it was really dark and gloomy and it had a nice feel to it. And I was like, if you're just going to call that Mount Bland, <laughs> what a waste of a name. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, it, it's, a, it's a great hike. And if you're in the area, you may as well do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as I said, great views of the ocean and back towards Point What Anne was the road the to get there like? Um, pretty much the same as the road, the gravel road um, into Point Anne. So quite corrugated, yeah. Yeah, I mean it wasn't but easy. But that's not corrugated now, it's been flattened. Yeah. So what, are the, what do you call that, grader? Grader. Yeah, the grader. Yeah. The grader, they've yeah. taken the grader through both roads, so... Awesome. Rest yeah. assured, everyone at the moment, it is mm. flat yep. and drivable. If you mm. go in the next few weeks, it'll be fine <laughs> yep. until the rains come again. Or the caravanners. I think the caravanners ruin those roads because they drive a lot slower and they're a lot heavier. But anyway, mm. the road in there is, is doable. And mm. I had an X-Trail and I was fine mm. going 60Ks an mm. hour. Um, yeah. Highly recommended you visit all the the walks in the area. Mm. Even mm. Mount Maxwell, the very, very, very poor socially awkward <laughs> just weird cousin of uh the park yeah because it's only i think 100 meters or so and it's i think even overstating it 100 meters it's literally you park walk and then there's a little platform and then that's it and the views aren't even that great i think it was just a i don't know another walk that they wanted to tack onto mm, the park mm. yep just so they could say, oh, we've got another trail. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure at sunset it would be amazing because you'd get views over the plains and towards West Mount Barron and okay, um, yep. the bay. But, yeah, it's just it was not worth <laughs> the slight detour off the main road to get there. Yeah. Mm. There's quite a lovely view, actually, on that dirt track that comes off um, the Great Southern Highway when you – the 66K one mm. towards Point Anne, um, where you sort of one of the – one of the sort of – curves that it makes yeah. there's you can see the red ro- the red dirt road yeah and then oops and then um to the right is west mount barren and to the left is all the all the hakias and all the royal hakias and all the trees it's actually mm. quite a beautiful landscape photo mm. i've got a nice panorama photo of that yeah there's yeah. bits on that road where it kind of rises and you're like oh the yes, trail the, yes. the road quality is getting yeah. a, bigger, <laughs> a little bit better and yeah mm. as you say great views yeah mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose the west compared to the east is not as good, but it's still a lot better than a lot of places in mm. WA, and it's still well worth a visit as well. I think it's probably more, ge- like, from the geology point of view, probably from a, a botanical point of view, it's, you know, much of... Yeah, you're still going to get an amazing selection of wildflowers no matter um, yeah, where you go. And Bremer Bay as well as also Block home. your ears, botanists out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Bremer Bay is also home to the killer whale tours as well, and that's where they derive a lot of their income. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of boating tours going off the coast where okay. you can see the orcas. Mm. It's definitely a jewel of a national park, the it whole is. thing, you know. The, the, we, are, we are just really gifted yep. of, uh, of a, a place where we can go and experience evolution the mm. isolated evolution of plant species like nowhere else on the planet. You know, I yep. think that's that's just a, a real privilege. L- luxury, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And sometimes mm. you just want to shout from the rooftops, like, go visit this place and oh, you need yeah. to go. But then sometimes you're like, well, I'd rather it stay a little bit quieter and not be as exposed. Yeah. Like, let the visitors go to Lucky Bay and, you know, the Sterling Ranges and let them experience what is still a very good national park. But... Yeah. Leave Fitzgerald River <laughs> for those who would really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Mm. I think for me, this is up there with sort of Karajini as one of the most unique and iconic Western Australian national parks, even if it's not recognised as that. 
that's cool, as you say. You know, mm. for the for the hardy few who make it out there, you'll see why. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I also agree. <laughs> <laughs> Go visit the uh, Fitzgerald National Park, but don't ruin it. Yeah. And also the surrounding areas, you know, just yeah, d- d- because the you know, the, the towns river. like mm. you have to drive around the park. Mm. There's yeah. no driving through it, so yeah. you have to experience the towns. And the towns are lovely; like they've yeah. got character and history, and yeah, and and Ravensthorpe. I mean, the Ravensthorpe Range mm. is 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 another place with with rare and uh, and priority listed plants. You know, mm. really unique. Yeah, unique. And there's a great coffee shop in Ravensthorpe, and they've got this little garden as you sit outside, and you can overlook the Ravensthorpe Range. Mm. And I just sat there, and I was like, this is actually a town I could live in. It's very chill, very relaxed. Yeah, I love it there. Mm. And of course, like you know, the WA economy, like it's centered in Perth, but there's all these local towns that need tourism and needs support so yeah. it's great to contribute to that yeah Definitely. well it's also got a lot of mining so mm. but yeah that's... but i mean the more that tourism they get the mm. more they don't have to rely on mining which you know yeah it's a bit of a double-edged sword in wa mm. Mm. so that's the western side of fitzgerald river national park as part of this two-parter I hope this has been a more digestible <laughs> division of the park rather than a, a full-on yeah. you know, episode. So thank you, everyone, for listening. If you have any questions or any suggestions for future pods, please email us at realtrailtalk at gmail.com and give us a rating on iTunes if you enjoyed the episode. Mm. Yeah. And thanks very much for Erica for coming in. You've been an invaluable resource with your wildflower knowledge. Oh, gosh, I've... Don't know anything at all, really. No, you I'm know all the names. A little, a little, a little Bambi. No, you are <laughs> better than us. It's a lot better than us. And if you're ever interested in going on a tour down to Fitzgerald River National Park, or you want to experience the wildflowers for yourself, definitely give Erica a call. Um, she runs the company Edge Walkers and Thank runs you. some great tours down there. So, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. personalized one-on-one, mm. great experiences. Yeah. And we can both learn together. Exactly. Mm. So thank you everyone for listening and we'll be back in two weeks.